This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we answer listener mail and discuss how companies have changed recruiting in the recent downturn. But before we begin, a few announcements. If you have questions, comments, or inspirational stories, please write us a feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, for career coaching, our online courses, and our scholarships guides, visit aviationcareerspodcast.com. It's all right there. I think a lot of people don't realize as far as the career coaching is concerned, we do many things. I've been working for years with different clients that have issues either with their medical, their background, or just trying to figure out what direction to take in their careers. We also do a lot of interview prep, which uh, lately has been really interesting because uh, we've been doing really well with that interview prep, and that's going to be part of our discussion today day. Uh, Another announcement, the uh, 2020 Scholarships Guide is available and we have over $120 million in scholarships. Uh, We actually finally went through and did some counting and we always have said we've had over $50 million. We stopped counting about a year or two ago as we've been adding scholarships. Trying to get more into all different parts of aerospace because it is an aerospace scholarships guide. Uh, the guide is only $10, one-year access. And by the way, if you use a coupon code, pay it forward, you'll probably get it for free because many people finally stepped up and said, hey, listen, you know, we want to help out and we want to help people move forward in their careers and either college level or getting their certificates, a type rating, etc. Uh, to find out more about the Pay It Forward campaign and how you might be able to help out, please go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash payitforward. And uh, find out more and also tell you how you can actually use that coupon. Another thing, too, by the way, we have the uh, different videos that we've been downloading. One of the ones that's coming up next is going to be, you know, where is the final approach fix on the ILS? That's going to be one of our next videos. Uh, but uh, but the most recent one is, uh, you know, when do you start your descent? When you're giving a crossing restriction, when do you start the descent? I highly recommend you going out there. Very short videos we're doing. We're trying to make them like five, ten minutes where we describe a question in the pilot interview course and also uh, all the different questions we use in our career coaching. We have a bank of over 500 questions. We do questions for 135, 91, 121, uh, and personal questions and also technical questions. So uh, these are primarily from the technical side of things. Maybe we'll throw in a few personal questions also. Uh, we're going to get into, after this uh, first 10 videos, the next are going to be uh, some weather questions, and then we'll start getting into the tell me about a time questions, etc. So uh, anyway, hopefully uh, you're enjoying those videos on YouTube. I'd like to hear back from you. Uh, Click on the YouTube channel and let me know what you think. Some of these uh, videos are really old and some uh, talk about, you know, things like the constant speed prop, uh, which I didn't realize that was going to be such a popular video and uh, did that actually a couple of those videos pretty late for a student and realized that uh, I probably should have done a little bit different audio, but can't go back and change that right now. But we might have an update to some of those. Anyway, here's our uh, podcast today. Our main topic, we're starting with talking about how companies have changed during the recent downturn. Uh, Some of you have noticed I've done some more stuff on Instagram. It's on my personal account, Carl Valeri, first last name on Instagram. Uh, Please go follow me because I'm trying to give uh, every so often some type of inspirational type of message that I'm putting out there. If someone does something, uh, trying to really, you know, get people inspired. 
So uh, on the last one, it was a, a post I did. It was a couple of uh, weeks ago, I think, about a week ago. It says, uh, never give up. Uh, I said, one of my coaching clients received two job offers this week in a challenging hiring environment. Keep moving forward because you can do it. And that's the message. Uh, one of the things that we got some feedback from someone was interesting. It said, uh, it was true, but it also depends on the offer. I've seen too many companies and or recruiters taking advantage of this situation. So we're going to assume that person's an airline pilot because most airline pilots would say something like that. Uh, uh, and it's because of the fact that they've been through this career and they've seen many upturns and downturns and people taking advantage of it. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about how recruiting has changed during this recent downturn. By the way, it changes on every downturn, and the same things happen most times. And one of the things is this. All those different, really, perks that you get, they're pretty much going to start going away, or they've gone away, first of all. <laughs> you know, this is, we went from a pilot shortage to now we don't have that shortage right now. And it's ups and, we've had shortages in the past. This last one was probably one of the longer ones. Are we going to see another one in the future? Sure. Uh, it's been happening since the 1950s. I remember that uh, one ad for United Airlines where if you had your private pilot, they would help you move forward uh, with some of your other ratings. I'm trying to find that clip because the person who had it actually passed away a few years ago. Uh, really interesting how these things evolve. You know, we go from having people come in with many hours, you know, how to get an airline job, 10,000 hours, uh, three moon landings and a perfect tan. Well, that's that's kind of changed <laughs> in the past few years. Well, you know, we're going back to looking at people with a little more experience. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, the the different recruiting, for instance, let's look at the regionals, because that's usually where most people look to get their first job is at the regional airlines to build their hours. We went from, you know, when I was hired, you could have just your commercial license. It was, it used to be like you needed 500 hours and then they dropped it down to just your commercial pilot certificate to get hired. Well, now with the new rules, you have to have your ATP and uh, you can have a restricted ATP. And that allows you to have reduced hours based on your background, whether you're military, have a bachelor's or an associate's degree, that type of thing. But uh, we're going back to the requirement of having minimums like the ATP. Also, something for the majors, if you look at the majors, they're going to start really requiring the bachelor's again. Uh, Regionals, not so much, but uh, but going to the point of what you need as far as minimums, they're not going to waver on minimums right now because there are so many people out there, and there's going to be more and more people on the street that do have those minimums. We've seen it. We've seen people getting furloughed. We've always had furloughs. It's just they've been very minimal in the industry. I mean, just two, three years ago, I worked with someone who got furloughed. It's different now because it, those are just trickles. This is this is a whole wave of, of furloughs coming, especially depending on what happens with the government and whether there's any type of relief and financial relief from the government towards the airlines. We may or may not see some of that happening uh, come October 1st of this year we're talking about, but regardless, this happens all throughout. So what do we see? And I think to the point of this person, as far as people take or you know companies take advantage of the situation it's basically supply and demand just like with pay a lot of times pay is based on that how easily you can replace somebody on the regional level to you know it's a little bit easier you know they're able to find a huge pool of applicants on the major level not so much but they just have to up their you know the requirements i remember that it used to be a thousand hours pic turbine and that that went away you saw minimums of like three to 5,000 hours, and that kind of went to the wayside a little bit, and now we're back to that again. Uh, so as far as companies taking advantage of it, a lot of times it, it depends on the company. And uh, a lot of times you'll see people 
by taking advantage, I think what he's talking about is I've seen people willing to work for basically free. You'll see pilots go out there and say, hey, listen, I've got this job that I really want, and I tell you what, and you can just pay me a dollar a month as long as I get to fly. You are seeing that. And of course, companies are going to take advantage of that. And they're going to say, okay, we'll hire you for that. Or for whatever it may be, it might be minimum wage, whatever it is, they're going to take advantage, quote unquote, take advantage of that situation. It's just, it is supply and demand. They don't really need to go out and actively recruit anymore. Recruiting departments have gotten a lot smaller like they used to in the past. There's They're out there, but you don't really need to have this wide network because people will come to you. Remember the old days where, you know, it's like, well, don't call us, we'll call you. We're kind of back to that right now, but we're, but we are seeing recruiters reach out and finish up some of their interviews that they had planned before, which is really cool that they're doing that. Shows some integrity there. I think really what you're talking about is integrity. I think this individual is talking about integrity. There are some people that, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for things like this to happen so that they can reduce their costs, et cetera. But also remember that it's been a very challenging environment for some of these recruiters and also for these companies, just being able to find people. I mean, you see people get hired, and I saw this uh, for a few years where people will get hired and not even show up for their training. And, you know, people would be like, hey, wait a minute, we can't even, we got people with simulator schedule and they're not even showing up. Had that happen actually after 9-11, and which was really interesting because there was conjecture that everybody was going to be coming back to work again, and, and then things got worse, and it didn't happen. And a lot of those people really wish they took those jobs. Uh, so one of the things that you have to do, and I don't think it matters what the timing is, to be honest with you. I think it really matters who you work for, because those, those companies, just like people, uh, they're out there. And they're run by people, so certain ones have more integrity than others. So you just need to do that in your recruiting. If you know you, you don't want to sell your soul just to go out and fly an airplane, you know you really have to look at first of all safety, integrity. Make sure you're going to keep your license while you're working for that place. And I think that's kind of what he's he's alluding to. Some companies might push you a little bit during a downturn, realizing, hey, listen, you don't want to fly this airplane, and I know there's something illegal on it. I could get ten other people that go fly it, even though it's illegal. Uh, don't let that happen to you. Don't you be that person that takes that airplane. No job's worth that. Uh, and, you know, especially if you crash, you, you're going to have a tough time getting back to work again, both you know, physically, obviously you get hurt, uh, but also now you have that on your record and the possibility of having some enforcement action because the fact that maybe the reason for your accident or incident was the fact that you flew an airplane that wasn't legal. Um, and there's many different manners. You know, it's interesting. As you move up in the career, by the way, just to, for some hope for people, as you move forward, and you get to the areas, you get to the airlines, the majors and stuff like that. You don't see that happening as much or at all, really. You really don't see. It's very, very rare that you see a, a captain just willing to put their license on the line. Here they're making, you know, really good six-figure income and mid-six figures. And they're just like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to risk my job for this. No, that's not going to happen. And to his point, the person who commented it really is the person that isn't making much. It's like, well, what do I have to lose? Think about this, though. Remember, you're going to be one of those airline pilots that's, that's at a major someday. And remember this. Anything that happens to you is going to be on your record forever. And, yes, yeah, certain things going to get expunged. I get it. But, you know, this is your career for your entire life. Don't, don't let your integrity waver at all. And your values waver at all during this period. So uh, 
pilots willing to work for free? Yes. Uh, their pay rates, they don't have to entice people. Bonuses, signing bonuses, a lot of those things uh, really aren't out there like they used to be. So, again, it's uh, it's a tougher. And I'm not just talking the regionals. We're also talking the majors. We're, we're talking even in the flight instructor realm. They were willing to throw out, you know, ratings for free, that type of thing. And I will say one thing, that still does happen. I mean, if they really like you, they may give you or help you out, get your ratings, et cetera. So look for those opportunities. They're out there. And to the point, too, of that post that I made, and, and, you know, one of the other things is that the person that got these job offers was, you know, got an offer with an airline, of course, put on uh, what's called a pool. And the other offer was a really, really good gig uh, because he was dual rated and uh, was able to go out and get a, a job doing some medevac flying. And, you know, I'd flown in the military. It was, make, it was making a really good living. So anyway, I just kind of want to put that forth. It, it all depends. I haven't really seen that as far as uh, in my clients uh, because I tend, and that's my coaching clients, I, I tend to shy away from those jobs and that may be on the fringes. We don't know sometimes, oh, that's the thing. You just don't know. It could look really good in the beginning. So, yeah, is that going to happen? Can you get somewhere? And it's like, oh, my gosh, this isn't the place to be. It can happen. But in general, things have changed in recruiting. The bonuses are gone. And then also the fact that you're going to need more hours uh, as far as having your ATP. That's going to help you a lot. Multi-engine time. We're kind of getting back to those days. So the point being, get as many hours as you can, number one, get as many ratings as you can, and then try to keep anything off your certificate, any type of actions, try to reduce the number of failures, of course, and and just try to do everything with integrity. And I've, you know, I always have said that the most important thing is integrity. And, you know, you'll make it no matter what. I mean, you know, in general, in life, if you're the top 10%, you're going to do well. And uh, that's just just the way life is. But we're in one of those uh, scenarios, you're going to try to put yourself in that top 10%. And it may not just be skills, it may be your ability to do a lot of networking. Uh, a lot of my clients in the coaching world, I mean, it's all it's a lot about networking, either through my network of people that I help them with or through their network and, and then move, helping them move forward and, and how to network. And that's primarily how most people have been able to get those jobs. So, yeah, things really have changed uh, during this downturn, but uh, it always does. Uh, it's supply and demand, and it, it really happens that way. So anyway, thanks for the feedback, by the way. You can go check out my Instagram. It's uh, Carl Valeri is my Instagram. I'm going to keep trying to put out some inspirational messages out there. Um, anyway, let's move on to some questions from listeners. Again, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you send us a question, I'm probably not going to read the whole thing, so you may hear me read it, but I take out any personal information and uh, just read the question here. So let's take a look at our first question here it comes in says hi carl i'm 23 from rio de janeiro brazil at first i want to tell you that the podcast is awesome and i definitely inspires all listeners i really enjoy the fun and entertaining way that you talk about aviation it motivates me to keep going on towards my aviation dream i've not listened to all the podcasts yet but i'm working on that well that's awesome thanks so much and i'm glad it's inspiring you because this is a marathon it's not a sprint and you have to continually be inspired but just constantly keep your nose to the grindstone, as they say, and just keep moving forward. Anyway, he continues. Uh, I study aeronautical science, a bachelor's degree, and I'm getting my private pilot certificate next week. Congratulations, by the way. Just finished all my hours, uh, 45 hours in Brazil is what they need, and now waiting for my check ride. 
My main goal is to follow an aviation career abroad. I'm planning to accumulate my experience in my country and then apply for jobs in a new place. I know that the visa stuff is somewhat difficult to deal with, but I'm pretty sure I can make it in the future. Writing to you because I'm confused and need help, I study in a small aviation school and I have a nice relationship with the person who owns it. I was planning on doing on my ratings there, but last week I received a job opportunity, quote-unquote, in an executive aviation area and need to be prepared with all my ratings uh, at the beginning of next year. Uh, we usually call that business aviation. I guess you call it more uh, executive aviation, but uh, the term we use quite a bit. Is, and by the way, I have a link at the bottom for the National Business Aviation Association. Really good. They have a lot of good resources, both uh, in the U.S. and also abroad. Um, the point is, uh, he continues, the point is the school I'm studying now does not have enough planes to uh, get me prepared for this deadline. Thinking about changing schools, but I'm afraid getting misunderstood by my friend that owns my current school. What do you think I should do? This is what I think you should do. You just be up front. Say, hey, you know, I really need to get some of my ratings, and I can't do them all here, so I may have to go somewhere else uh, to get those ratings. Uh, and, yeah, it could blow back on you, and they could fire you, but that would be the worst, uh, you know, or not fire you, but tell you, hey, listen, you you won't have a job when you get out uh, here, so you better get that job. Uh, so those, those are the kind of things that could be bad. But I, in general, if you're up front with people, most of the time, they're going to be appreciative of that. And just tell them what you want to do and say, hey, listen, I really need help with this. Because you don't know, that person might be able to help you. And say, hey, listen, you know, I, I need help. I need to get my multi. I need to get this rating, et cetera. Is there any way I can work with you to get this done? Uh, but make sure they do it. If they don't do it, it's time to move on. So in other words, if they say they're going to do it, then give them a chance. But if it doesn't happen, you may have to go ahead and move on. So that's what I think it's, it's a good idea. Without, you know, just talking to you on a personal basis this is a, kind of my assessment in general of those type of situations. Happens all the time. And, uh, and, you know, it happened to me. I mean, I had to go somewhere else to get my rating. And it's just the way it is. And I came back to the school and said, hey, listen, you know, I got to go get my multi-instructor uh, rating somewhere else because I need to teach uh, some of our clients in the twin. And they were okay with that. So that's just the way it is. In general, that happens. Anyway, he continues on, says, do you think uh, business aviation is a good way to start accumulating experience for further and better jobs? Yes, and it can be an end in itself. Uh, remember, we talk a lot about business aviation on this podcast, private aviation. Uh, people call it corporate. You're calling it executive aviation. There's many terms. I think business aviation is a, the organizations called the National Business Aviation Association, MBAA. Great organization. By the way, their magazine is actually free, and I'll have a link down at the bottom. You can download it as a PDF, so you can learn a lot about uh, the National Business Aviation Association. Kind of expensive to join. I think it's a little cheaper for uh, students, etc. So really take a look at that as, as an avenue to understand business aviation, because when you understand business aviation, you're better at selling yourself to somebody who's actually providing that service or is using an aircraft. So understand what you're doing. Uh, there's many things. Business aviation is I think it's different than most people realize. Uh, you know, obviously, number one, is it's a time machine. Also, it enables you to get in front of the customer. It enables you to work. I mean, most of the business aviation I've done, a uh, very small part is used for their personal uh, flying. There is personal flying out there, obviously, uh, that goes along with that private aviation where it's used for their personal. But in general, uh, it's mainly used for, for that type of business or shuttling uh, the executives around, that type of thing. Because of the 
fact that you got to remember an executive is very highly paid. So to enable them to move from point A to point B uh, efficiently is incredibly important. And that is where the business aviation, one of the things that uh, contributes to business aviation being something great for our businesses throughout the world, a big, big proponent of business aviation. Um, Anyway, so yes, it is a good way to accumulate hours, and yes, it can also be something an end in itself. And a lot of people did that; they'd fly "quote unquote" corporate to till they went on to the majors or whatever. Remember, there's different levels from business aviation. For instance, I was a partner in a 182. My partner owned a business. He used the 182 to get to job sites. Then realized, you know what? I need a bigger plane. I want to get a twin. I'd rather have the twin because I have a lot of my employees going in. And then went on to that and then got a bigger twin. You know, it goes from there. So it's that's how business aviation grows. If that person can use that aircraft or that company can use that aircraft as a tool to increase their profits, they're going to continue to use that tool. And until the point where they don't see the profitability of that aircraft, then it might go away, even though it, it and it could be just a perception, etc. But it, you have to be able to actually bring that forth and have that education as far as what business aviation is. A link in the bottom, by the way, in the show notes will show you where MBAA is. He continues with his question, uh, says, considering the visa stuff, is it possible to get an aviation job in America as a foreigner? Uh, thank you for the opportunity to discuss these topics uh, with you, and have, who has a lot of experience. I look forward to becoming your colleague in aviation. I, you know, I look forward to being a colleague, and you already are. I mean, you're getting your ratings, and also uh, we are colleagues in, in that respect. As far as a visa is concerned, there's many different visas that are out there, and I know you talked about a degree, but there's uh, different types of visas as far as degrees are concerned for vocational, also for uh, students and uh, different types of students, uh, both at university and also for vocational jobs. There's also, you can be sponsored uh, and actually work for somebody in the U.S. depending also, especially it depends on the country you're coming from too. So yes, it can happen. You usually need a sponsor for if you just want to come over here and work. Uh, you can actually get it through the vocational. You know, it all depends. It depends on your situation. And again, it'd have to be, you know, speaking with somebody. But one of the things I would really highly recommend is talking to somebody in the U.S. Uh, you don't have to go to an, an attorney right away. As a matter of fact, the first thing you should do the first thing you should do is check out the website that I have uh, where you can actually, it talks about working in the United States. And it's not mine. It's the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service. Uh, so that's where I want you to look. It talks all about the visas, temporary visas, et cetera, different topics. It gives you the different ideas as far as who you can go towards. A lot of people say they go right to an aviation attorney. First, get your knowledge by looking at working in the United States, how you can become an immigrant worker, et cetera, and, and then go from there. And that's true with any country, by the way. If you want to work in Italy, if you want to work in Canada, et cetera, always go to their government website and learn first, then seek counsel from other people. It's better for you, becomes more efficient for you when you look out for that. Anyway, hopefully that helps you. And, uh, and uh, oh, and one more thing. You can talk to universities about different visas and applying because they're more than willing to talk to you. 
And that's something that I think is really good because a lot of times they have knowledge on all these other different types of visas and specific visas. So I uh, highly recommend going there. And I appreciate the question. I can't wait to maybe someday go flying with you. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I really appreciate all those folks that listen in Brazil. As a matter of fact, we're going to have somebody from Brazil on the podcast here shortly. or We have in the past, too. I really appreciate all my friends down in Brazil. Speaking of Brazil, um, there is a, one of our sponsors, PlainEnglishSim.com, and uh, they've actually put forth a coupon code for the scholarship guide. Plain English Sim is the coupon code. Uh, a lot of people in other countries, they listen to this podcast because they want to learn aviation English and the things that we talk about, uh, especially our friends in Brazil. One of the things that I really highly recommend you doing is checking out that PlainEnglishSim.com. It helps out learn uh, aviation English, uh, both for VFR and uh, for IFR. There's lots of other ones out there, but uh, this, is, this one I really like. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of good ones out there, but this is uh, not just because they're a sponsor, but I, th I think it's really, really cool what they're doing uh, with this software out there. I think it's a big help. Anyway, let's move on to our last question here. It says, hello, Carl, and the rest of the Aviation Career Podcast team. First off, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service to the aviation community. You all are inspiring, educational, and entertaining. Welcome to my life. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. At 42, I've already been taking steps the last few months to get back into aviation as a career possibility. I had several hundred hours of flight time when 9-11 hit, and had to make the hard decision to stop pursuing my aviation dreams because of the complete uncertainty at the time. Now, 20 years on, I know I'm not getting any younger and seriously regret not sticking with it back then. However, I'm in a good place to start flying again. And even though the market is again uncertain, I understand the cyclical nature of it and that I still have time left to fly for a living. Hey, I tell you, I am so glad you said that because there's a lot of people here that are in their 20s, uh, just like you were, and decided to leave. And this, is a, this isn't the time to leave the industry. This is the time to build your hours because look at this, again, as a marathon. Envision yourself 20 years down the road. Just like you, 20 years down the road, where will you be? You could be flying professionally, that's for sure. So you have quite a few years left. Uh, everybody talks about the airlines. The airlines aren't everything. Just like I said, there's business aviation. There's so many other things. There's an airline job for you and then business aviation after that. Or, you know, there's, there's many different ways to look at this from, from the perspective of can you fly? Yes. Um, so anyway, he continues. That being said, I have several questions which I hope you can address. Having lost my logbox in a natural disaster, including the backups, am I going to have to log all that time again? Where would you even go from here? Okay, so first of all, uh, sorry to hear about that. Um, there is some record of your times, and I'm assuming by, and, and I can't get this from your question here, I'm looking around, but I'm assuming you have your uh, a bunch of ratings. So when you filled out your 8710 to go get your ratings, you actually had to put down the number of hours. So you can start there, right? You can also, if you look at some of your past medical records, and by the way, also uh, get your FA records. And you can do that for free. And I have a in the recommended reading list on my website, aviationcareerspodcast.com, recommended reading. You can click on that, and in there it says get your FA records. Get those records. You'll see some of those times out there. You also have to look at it and, and determine how many hours you had from, from this point on. From In other words, the point where you had your 8710 or your medical, et cetera, and then try to rebuild your logbook. 
I, for one, I don't put every single flight in my logbook. I just kind of do a, uh, you know, my records are printed as far as my company's concerned, but I do one entry every year from my logbook. And I mean, it could be 600 hours, cross country, multi-engine, uh, jet, et cetera, and type, whatever. But I just kind of do the sum totals in there. If they want to see the actual totals, I, I print that up. But you can put an entry in there and just make a statement saying that these are my hours and this is what I actually flew. I don't have them actually logged. Uh, I've lost my logbook, that type of thing. Uh, there's other things you can do too. And by the way, if you have any issues, of course, there's aviation attorneys, but we, we really, you don't really need to go that route right now. But the biggest thing is 8710. And uh, if you got a rating and that was, you didn't do much flying after that, that's where you can stop right there. Uh, but as far as rebuilding that logbook, now you don't have to, but I would look towards the first, again, the first thing, the 8710. Number two, get all your records from the FA. Hopefully it helps. Anyway, he continues, says, also, I've been a cannabis user in a non-legal state for 10 years, but gave it up a year ago with the intention of getting clean to fly again. Is this something that would ever come up in an interview and application? No, if it's not something that you... If, so first of all, let's go back. You actually have to look at your record. Were you arrested for anything, that type of thing? Is there any issues in your background as far as medicals it's and that type of thing? So that's what you need to do. Driving under the influence, have you been arrested for that? Those type of... Otherwise, if there's nothing on your record there's nothing on your record you just like you said you've been clean so that's the most important thing um so no i, I again i'm assuming there's nothing in your background but if there is that's where we need to talk and of course that's where my coaching comes in and we discuss how we can actually approach this topic of having something in your background like this but it doesn't sound like that's that's your issue um, but he continues on and says, it seems prudent that I should get a class one medical done, even though I have no health issues that I know about. I get a general physical every year and so far so good. Am I jumping the gun to get a class one or would a class three suffice until I get further along? I usually tell people that you should get the class one medical. If you think there's an issue, there's a way around going in and being deferred or declined uh, your medical. One of the best ways is to have a consultation with the medical examiner. Say, hey, am I going to have any issues? Also, go online, go to the FA, see what the standards are for medicals, and see if you're going to pass all those things. The blood pressure issues, are you on medications that might preclude you from getting getting a medical, the easiest thing to do is, yeah, go talk to a medical examiner. Say, hey, I'm thinking about getting my class one medical. First of all, can you do the class one? Second of all, is there anything that would preclude me from getting my class one medical? And this is my background as far as, you know, my my driving records, et cetera, DUIs, uh, those type of things. There are certain medications that might preclude you or prevent you from getting a medical, uh, but those are the kind of things they can work through. And that's something that, again, I've worked with many clients over the years who We've had medicals and they couldn't get a medical and we've able to, to actually work through that process of getting a medical, not, not through me, but for, through me uh, referring them to certain uh, different consultants and uh, doctors that can help them through that process. A lot of times there's somebody in your own area. Uh, one of the best things to do, by the way, if you're looking for a medical going into a career is talk to your friends that are airline pilots, find out who they use, because a lot of times who they use are are people that do a lot of medicals for airline pods because they usually know the rules. A lot of airline pods gravitate to those people that do medicals for airline pods because they understand the rules really well. And for instance, you walk in the door and you tell the doctor, hey, listen, you know, I had this issue. And he'll be like, well, you know, we shouldn't do a medical. Uh, but 
we or we can do a medical. We may have to defer the medical if that's okay. That those are the kind of conversations you can have with that doctor without even doing the medical. Without even going forward with it, you can call your doctor, especially a, a medical examiner, and find out. Hey, is this what I need to do, or is there something I need to do before I come in to get my class one? But yeah, I'd, I'd go ahead and get the get the class one. It's it's not that tough to do, uh, especially if you don't have any issues. But if you are concerned at all, read it, talk to the doctor. Then do your medical after that. Anyway, uh, lastly, it says, I have a couple of preteen kiddos that I homeschool with my wife. I know flight benefits are a thing in the majors and regionals, but is this the sort of thing I could use to take my kids with me on a few years uh, a few years on to get them a better worldview? You know of anybody that brings their kids to work? Well, gosh, yes. Um, it depends how young they are, obviously, uh, or if, like an unaccompanied minor, that type of thing. Be careful there because... Uh, if they are too young, you know, there's a lot of rules at different airlines. I've seen this happen, by the way, where somebody sends an uncompanied minor on a flight that was a non-revenue passenger, and that's basically what this is, a non-revenue passenger, and there was rules with that airline that says you can't do that. Uh, and they almost got in trouble. They, they apologize up and down. But most importantly, if you want to bring them, sometimes best to bring another parent along. If they're young, uh, a certain age, it depends on the age. With their, and it really depends on the airline. Read the rules on past travel for your airline that you work for. But going back to that, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, I was in New York and uh, one of the captains I was flying with said, hey, I want to bring my son along were to go to I forget some some event or something like that, and they had a blast. It was really cool. So uh, yes, you can bring them along uh, for on trips, and I he- see it happen. Also, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, you know, buddies, whatever it is, you can bring people along on trips, and it happens quite often. It's, it's a blast. Uh, and and the the only thing is, I will say this: I've done this in the past where I've brought friends with me on trips. And from my perspective, there's a little worry in the background in your head because, you know, getting to the destination, say I'm going to some resort in Mexico and I bring the person along with me and then I'm there getting there. It's not a big deal because if they can't make it, they can't make it. Not a big deal. But once you're there, you got to get them back. You know, they have to come back. Uh, So you get a little worried, but not too much about coming back. And if the person, depending on the individual, if they're a good traveler, they might say, hey, you know, whatever. I, you know, I I can't make it back. I can't make it back. I'll just stay another day and, and enjoy a day on the beach and go on the next flight. Or you try to rearrange things to get there. There is a little concern on the person, like the pilot, you know, the flight attendant who's bringing a friend along. Uh, but if it's a destination with lots of flight out of there, it's not a big deal. But if it's a destination where there's like one flight or two flights a day, they might be hanging out for a while. So um, so it's really exciting. That's so much fun, bringing somebody along on a trip. It, it really, really is. Anyway, he continues, says, so again, thanks for your service to the aviation community. I listen to your podcast and take notes, make plans of action, and take all the advice seriously. Looking forward to hearing the next Aviation Careers podcast. Well, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate everybody writing in feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com because you don't know your question might help somebody else that's listening right now. And that's what's really, really important is helping other people and while you're helping yourself too, which is really, really cool. 
But, you know, one of the things that really is important through all this, if you notice, things are changing, but things have been the same. You know, there's, like one uh, one of our listeners said, there's ups and downs. It's a cyclic nature of this business. Uh, it does have, it's not like some other businesses. It, it, it has its peaks, it has its valleys, and the peaks are real high and the valleys are real low. But in general, it's a cool job. The only thing is you have to plan a little bit better than most. You have to make sure that you're being a lot more conservative with, you know, your your cash and your cash flow, et cetera, because you never know. You never know what's going to happen in the future. And that's what I always tell people is, is, you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst, and you'll have a great career in general. But one of the things that's really important is when you are listening to anybody talk and discuss things is that you really can't just sit there and be passive about it. It's like in a reading a manual. One of the things you really need to do is take some kind of action. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be something really small. You could just do like after this podcast, go back and look at the show notes, click on some of those links that I talked about. Whatever it is, I want you to take action today. I want you to take one step, one either a large step, a large leap or a small step, but I want you to take one step today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.